Welcome to the Craft Beer Marketing Awards, Marketing on Tap podcast. This is episode eight, and we are sponsored by the EGC Group. We are the CBMA's co-founders and your podcast co-hosts, Jim McCune and Jackie DeBella. Jackie, who is missing right now. First off, we want to thank everybody who has supported the CBMAs and who has entered into our second annual competition, which entry window just closed uh, Monday on March 15th. And we saw entries come in from all around the world. And we are very excited that starting next week, more than 300 industry professionals from all around the globe, our CBMA's 21 judges panel, they're going to start visually critiquing and ranking each entry. So only the best will rise to the top and be awarded a crushy. So please visit craftbeermarketingawards.com and support our judges and sponsors. So we are very excited to welcome Rob Ducucci. He's the brand and marketing manager. And Taras Manzi, he's the president and CEO. And they are from Lake of the Woods Brewing Company. They're up in Kenora, Ontario, which is Canada. Mm-hmm. And I checked out where you guys are on a map. And I mean, for us, where I live, that looks like something right out of a movie. Literally a lake of the woods. So it looks like you probably about a couple hundred miles north of Minneapolis, just as a reference point for our U.S. listeners. Yeah. So welcome, Robin, Taras. Uh, Thanks, Jim. Yeah, we uh, we're excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, Why don't you guys tell us a little more about Lake of the Woods Brewing Company? Well, uh, I'll start really quickly. I mean, there's lots to talk. There's lots to say. Uh, Rob will probably be able to say a lot more than I will because he's lived here a lot longer. I'm still not considered a local, even though I've lived in Kenora since 2002. Oh, you Um, are a local. Come on. (laughs) Lake of the Woods uh, is a very unique place because it's, uh, it's a physical body of water that spans two provinces and one U.S. state, being Minnesota, obviously. Um, and over the years, uh, we've actually built breweries in both of those provinces and that U.S. state. So our company encompasses three working breweries uh, all surrounding Lake of the Woods, and they're all within a two-hour drive of each other. So it's pretty pretty cool little thing that we built here. Uh, going back, I guess our doors first opened in our first location, which was in, here in Kenora, in uh, well, it was June 29th of 2013, and we're in a, what would now be about a hundred and what hundred and hundred nine year old fire hall. So actually, the, there's a picture of it right here. That's the original artist rendering of what the fire hall looked like. Um, when it was Are you saying built. firehouse? Yeah, absolutely. Hero. Say that again. Fire hall. Fire hall. Gotcha. Here you go. That's what it looks like. That's what you're in now. Yeah, right now. I'm on the third floor. Both Rob and I are on the third floor attic. Used to Beautiful. Be, yeah. Used to be where the firemen would party up here. Yeah, this is their, wow. uh, they had the uh, card table. So, I mean, curiously uh, enough, there was, a, there was an originally a, a Lake of the Woods Brewing Company in Kenora, um actually in 1898 there was uh right up until 1952 so 
Um, really cool story. When we were actually renovating this in 2012, we had ri- we ripped up a bunch of floorboards and found some um, of the original uh, Lake of the Woods Brewing Company uh, bottle caps and bottle openers under the floorboards. So obviously the firemen were up here drinking Lake of the Woods Brewing Company beer um, 100 years ago. And uh, yeah, we just, we found all the uh, the uh, the remnants of their uh, so clearly I, our idea was sort of kismet with what was going on in this place. So uh, it, just, it just sort of works. It's made up of a bunch of cool people that are both from Kenora. And we've, over the years, hired lots of people from without Kenora that have now moved to Lake of the Woods. So we've got a pretty, um, pretty awesome team of people here who live and now work in Kenora. And we also have people that are working right in Winnipeg, downtown Winnipeg, that are brewing beer there. And then our third brewery is in uh, War Road, Minnesota. So just on the South Shore, or we would call it South Shore of Lake of the Woods. They're on the North Shore uh, or the north of Minnesota. They're actually uh, Minnesota's northernmost brewery. And our brewery here in Ontario is Ontario's northernmost brewery. So a couple synergies there as well. Yeah, we we are. Uh, Just to clarify, you guys have a brewery in the U.S. and one in Canada, and another one in Canada. Yeah, correct. Two in Canada, one in the U.S. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a lot of uh, craft breweries that have international uh, locations, kind of like we do. I, I I don't know of any. I don't. T have you? No, not that I know of. That's why I found it fascinating. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool, and and the really cool thing about Lake of the Woods is, I mean. Even the people in Minnesota, uh, northern Minnesota, they're very, you know, similar. Like, just because there's a border between us, I mean, we we're the same kind of, uh, of 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 folk. You know, we love the outdoors, we love the lake, we love fishing, hunting, yep. uh, snowmobiling, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool that we managed to, you know, ha- make that connection between, um, you know, the northern Minnesota and uh, northern Ontario. So and even into Manitoba, where Lake of the Woods also spans. So yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're all very much alike, even though there's some borders separating us. Uh, yeah, we're great. Uh, we, we really enjoy it. For ice hockey and good beer. You bet. So is it easy to cross over at that junction between the U.S. and Canada? Or? <laughs> well, it used to be. Border's been closed for a while. You can thank COVID yeah, for that. Well. But normally, uh, it's pretty seamless, right? Again... It's two hours from here to our brewery in Winnipeg. It's two hours from our brewery in Winnipeg to War Road. And then it's two hours from War Road to Kenora. So it's quite an interesting little circuit. And in times other than this, it's a pretty simple drive, right? Um, oh, well, let me just tell you this, uh, Jim, you're going to love this one. You can drive down to the brewery in the U.S. from here on the, on the lake in the winter. So in the winter, there's uh, ice roads. They actually plow roads all over the lake. You can drive down, uh, cross the border. You actually have to check in. It's a telephone booth on an island. No, I'm not, not even kidding. Uh, you, uh, you video chat into uh, border security customs, and yeah. the customs and uh, let them know where you're going. And then you carry on. So, And you can do the same in the summer by boat. So we can get down there if we want to by car or boat on the lake, which is pretty cool. Well, I'll tell you what, I just added that to my bucket list for sure. Oh, you have to. It's beautiful summer or winter here, yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did you guys get into beer? And why don't you tell us a little bit about these awesome looking beers that I see? Uh, Well, 
I, uh, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. I actually dropped out of university in my last year to start a company and then I haven't really looked back. Uh, and like I said, I moved to Kenora in 2002. Well, why do kind of men go anywhere? Cause they chased women. I met my <laughs> wife in Ottawa at school and for all kind of all the reasons she wanted to move away from Kenora, um, she wanted to move back. Her, her family's all from here. Uh, her sister was having kids at the same time we were, so we kind of packed up and moved up here and started another business. And uh, through the years, we got into a couple of different things here locally. And it was 2010, actually, and we were sitting down. And I, I totally blame my wife for this whole business. Um, but we were having beers and she's, you know, we we're kind of saying, okay, what's next? What are we going to do? What's the future looking like? And she had said, you know, I've been hearing a lot about craft beer lately. And I know that there used to be a brewery here in Kenora or breweries. And wouldn't that be great? You know, it'd be a great addition to downtown and, and, and Kenora itself. And we kind of shelved that a little bit. And then I was driving home from my day job at the time. And the, on the radio, we heard that the city was surplusing the fire hall and they're finally building a new one. So it was kind of like a light switch went on and, and uh, I, I came home and she said, okay, we talked about it. Let's actually do this and figure it out. So there, uh, there was an RFP uh, that was put out by the city and we, we put a group of people together and we won it. So then we kind of had to do it. So it took a few years to put it all together and, and um, get some great partners together, Rob being one of them. And uh, we were able to get open by um, June 29th of 2013. So we haven't really looked back since. Um, we've gone, we've zigzagged a fair bit, but uh, now fast forward to 2021 and here we are with three breweries. And a fourth coming. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Mm -hmm. Is that a little sneak uh, peek, <laughs> Rob? <laughs> it's, uh, it, it is a sneak peek. We haven't, um, you know, really said much about it uh, publicly, but um, Chief, uh, what do you think? Should we should, should we spill the beans? Oh, yeah. Well, as of yesterday, I think we can make it official. Just we, we wanted to keep a lid on it until uh, we finalized the financing package. And as of yesterday, that happened. So this wow. having this is fortuitous because I guess we're broadcasting to the world now. Mm -hmm. That uh, uh, we've got the exclusive scoop right here right. on Marketing on Tap. That's right. Well, congrats to you guys. Well, um, yep. How is the um, the U.S. and Canada beer scene diff differ that you've seen? Have you been experiencing the same growth on both sides of the border? Um, well, I think one of the benefits that is seen uh, south of the border is the fact that we had sort of been banging away here for six years or so before that brewery was opened. And there was lots of uh, folks coming from uh, Northern and Midwest us to Lake of the woods that already had exposure to our brand and our beer. So they were kind of chomping at the bit uh, for a number of our products. And we used to get lots of requests of getting our beer down South um, but logistically in Ontario, that's just not really a possibility unless we're set up with a, you know, import export agent and all that kind of stuff. And at the time we just weren't really ready to go. So when that, when that brewery opened, uh, there was a lot of excitement. And I mean, if you know anything about Northern Minnesota, 
there's lots of folks that come to the shore both summer and winter uh, to fish and to hunt and uh, to spend time there. So to have a local brewery as part of that fabric, that cultural uh, mosaic, has been very well received. I mean, we're talking a small town of about 3,000 people year round, but literally hundreds of thousands of tourists that come to it on an annual basis to, to again, fish and hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. That sounds like um, a pilgrimage. It really is. You know, the catchment basin is probably about five to seven hours. It seems that folks are willing to kind of drive to get to um, that stretch between War Road and Bidette. So uh, that includes the Twins, right? So um, there's lots of folks from the Twin Cities that are able to come and enjoy and experience our beer. Are there similarities? Absolutely. There's certain brands that do very well for us here in Northern Ontario, Manitoba, that also do very well in the markets that we're operating in in the U.S. And then there's beers that don't um, experience the same sort of sales percentages, I'll say, or, or makeup of what it is that we're producing. But there are very, very much uh, the, uh, the group, I'll say, of core brands that are almost identical um, that we offer both north and south of the border. Yeah. Like I think the Forgotten Lake Blueberry Ale is is a, a really big one, uh, both here in um, Ontario, Manitoba and in Minnesota. I mean, it's a real it's that's your, you know, a classic regional uh, beer. We use, uh, well, used local uh, blueberries to start. Now the production levels have gotten pretty high. So we're, we're getting still getting uh, blueberries from Canada and U.S., but just from uh, different suppliers. But uh, that beer has done very well. It's uh, it's, it's it's a really, really nice. Uh, it's not overly uh, sweet. It's just got subtle blueberry uh, kind of uh, flavor to it, which is what we were going for. And they add 7.1 percent ABV which uh, gives it a good kick but you'd never know it's uh, very very smooth yeah it's, it's a great beer yum um, can you tell us a little bit about your like look and your theme you have a, a really great uh, graphic uh, look and love the logo it has a lot of appeal yeah yeah so I mean we I think there was a few things we looked at when we were, um, you know, uh, discussing uh, the brand. And, and of course, the fact that there was a Lake of the Woods Brewing Company uh, already that had existed in Kenora in this region, we really wanted to embrace part of the, the history um, of sort of the region and, and build a brand that had sort of that really, I think, emanated a little bit of that and, and brought it in. So if you look at our logo, it, it really looks sort of like a vintage, you know, maybe an, even an old gas station sign or something like that, which, you know, we took a lot of inspiration from or, or a campground sign or something like that, that you would have seen in, you know, the, the forties or thirties or forties or fifties. Um, and so, yeah, we, you know, the history and then the lake. So, you know, Lake of the Woods on the logo itself, there's an Island Lake of the Woods has um, on it, 14,522 islands. So um wow it's yeah it's a big body of water um full of islands and rocks so you don't know where you're going in a boat <laughs> uh, Sixty-five thousand miles of shoreline yeah yeah that's i just got a boat and it always looked easy but it's terrifying it is it can be especially in lake of the woods there's a lot of rock, reefs just under the water if you don't know where you're going you're you know, a lot of people ding their props uh you know 
I, but even I that, there's big stretches where there's big rollers too, right? So mm-hmm. you have to you have to kind of know where you're going and know what you're doing because out of nowhere you can, especially if you're caught by weather, you have to be pretty careful. For sure, yeah. So the lake, of course, the history uh, part of the brand, and uh, and we really try to embrace that in our beer, uh, the beer brands as well, not only just the the brand the company branding. Um, so. Um, you know, a lot of our beers that are called Lakeside or Forgotten Lake. Uh, you know, there's a, um, you know, Channel Marker. Channel Marker. You know, we've we got- have uh, Wild Rice beer that we brew seasonally, which is called Tippy Canoe. Mm-hmm. Our our first actual flagship North American blonde ale is called Sultana Gold, which is named after. Uh, at the time, at the turn of the century, it was part of uh, three mines that were the highest aggregate producers of gold in North America. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, right Absolutely. On, like, on an island. Actually. I love that. I love that package design that you have for that beer. That looks so yummy, so classy. You know, that's a home run. Great. It's Thank delicious. You. Yeah, it is. A good we one. created a Czech Pilsner called Papermaker here, which pays homage to the fact that Kenora was a mill town for many, many years, a uh, paper mill town. So, um, again, going back on that sort of theme of the region, the individual towns that we operate in, the lake, um, that, that I would say encompasses probably about 85 to 90% of all the branding that we do with beer. And, of course, we like to have a little bit of fun. Um, so just... We have a, a new list actually that's that's just come out in all with all of our distributors here on the Canadian side of the border called Sneaky Peach uh, Pale Ale, and it's exactly what it says it is. It's got a big, nice peach nose on it, and then Pale Ale through the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly innovating. I think over the eight years, we've developed close to ninety recipes mm-hmm. uh, that we've, I'd say, quote unquote, perfected. Um, that we can sort of pull out of that recipe box um, and we bring out seasonally, we bring out uh, for special events, that kind of stuff. But from a core perspective, uh, we're at five right now and then three seasonals in cans. So, and everything we do on the Canadian side of the border, we try to mirror on the U S side of the border or beers that make sense. So uh, especially that channel marker, uh, it's a citrus uh, or we call it a citra light. So it's actually a 4.0 beer, but it's it's got a big sort of hop citrus nose to it. It's extremely ref- refreshing. And that, along with Forgotten, is another uh, beer that's done really well for us mm-hmm. on the U.S. side. I know that um, a lot of our American friends seem to drink more beer than water. So a beer like that uh, tends to do really well in those markets. Well, that's amazing. And I see that you guys do both bottles and cans and... Looks like some of your products are sold out. That's always a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll hand bottle a lot of stuff. We don't we stay away from three fifties for the most part, but we'll do uh, uh, like bomber size, so six sixties or seven fifties for special edition kind of stuff. And our customer base seems to like it um, because it's a different format. It's not as big as a growler, you know, a two liter bottle or near near two liters. Um, and it creates that kind of exclusivity in those brands. And we get to have a lot of fun with them, right? Because we will label them in-house. We all get together and package them together ourselves. Wow. And uh, then there are limited runs, so they can sell out real quick. Well, speaking of having fun with it, we just, we just last uh, fall, we, uh, we sunk 
1,750 mil milliliter bottles to the bottom of Lake of the Woods, and they're still down there. So they're they're lagering in the bottle uh, under the ice as we speak. So we uh, we pre-sold all of those. They're called Deep Six, and uh, it's a Russian Imperial Stout this year. It's our first year that we've done it. And uh, there's not a lot of breweries that that you know we found only a few in the world that actually have uh, sunk beer uh, you know in the bottle to uh, to um, to lager it or, or to age it under the ice. So um, yeah, it's still down there. We're hoping it's uh, it's it's going to survive the winter and we'll be able to pull it up and get it out in the hands of of everybody that uh, pre pre bought it. So deep the number six dot beer. You have to check this out. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff in my 20-year career in brewing, and um, this whole um, product looks amazing. First of all, the logo, the packaging, everything, totally on point. But you have to watch the video on this page, which shows you guys sinking this beer to the bottom of this lake mm-hmm. um, to, to lager it. And I think, uh, uh, no wonder why uh, it pre-sold out, because... I would love to get my hands on that. And looks like it's signed and um, numbered. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience of actually getting out there and uh, not giving away too much from the video, but. Well, we won't tell you where it is, but uh, (laughs) it was a lot of fun. Like we always said when we back, when we started this back in the day that if we're not having fun and of course not every day is fun when you're paying bills and people don't come to work, et cetera, et cetera. But all that aside, beer is fun. It has to be fun. So we try to keep that in mind and as much of the things that we do, we do. And I'll tell you what, that project was a blast and I can't wait to do the next one already. So Mm -hmm. spending the day putting beer in cages and getting them, you know, lifted by a giant barge with a professional diver, doing the whole thing from start to finish, barbecuing hot dogs, waiting for the day to keep going forward, sitting on a friend's dock, you know, like all of that. If you can do that at any point in life, but if we get to do it, you know, we live on the lake. We try to embody that and that deep six project certainly um was that from start to finish and we haven't even finished the first year yet because there's still ice over where that beer is resting Mm -hmm. so joshua is the brewer i see he he's the one who signs um your certificate when you reserve the um, deep six Mm -hmm. that's a great idea absolutely so he's actually my nephew there's a bunch of family that's involved in this business. Uh, he's been our head brewer since basically our first year of being in business. So it's, it's nice because of uh, the ability to have continuity, right? And he is, a, he is a complete quality guy. So from start to finish, he's all about maintaining the integrity and the quality of the beer. Um, and he also gets excited about these kinds of projects. The, the more unique, the better. Right. So and when I go back to saying, you know, we've had 80, 90 recipes developed over our tenure so far, that's just kind of a beginning. So and some of our big, uh, big sellers like Lakeside, he developed the recipe um, right from the get go. That's excellent. Why don't you guys tell us about another exciting project that we heard about? Steep Rock Seltzer. Well, I'm actually drinking one right now. Ooh, clear. (laughs) Clear, clear. So we're prototyping um, a beer-based hard seltzer. 
Um, it's super exciting because it, the, the flavor profile is outstanding. Um, to take a product that started as a delicious beer to begin with and then strip the color and the beer flavor from it, which we can then turn into a non-elk product of beer, but to be left with this malt base that we add only uh, natural flavor to and citric acid to have this delicious libation that comes in, you know, around at five percent uh, ABV. It's a wonder of modern technology. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're pretty excited. Mm-hmm. So is, is the seltzer market growing up in Canada the way it is here in the U.S.? It's like wildfire. Yeah. Oh, it is. Absolutely. We have friends who have breweries out east, and they talk about adding a seltzer to their portfolio. And the most exciting part about it is that it doesn't, it hasn't cannibalized their beer business at all. All it does is added another layer um, to their bottom line, right? So not only are their, their craft beer sales increasing, but now they've added this hard seltzer line to it and in a year 18 months they're at about 50 percent of their total beer volume just in seltzer that's incredible yeah you know it's a logical brand extension and if you could make it well why not that's right 100 Mm percent so and we're we try to do as much as we can to to innovate whether it's um, from a beer perspective and, and flavor combinations or adding and layering in new products uh, like a seltzer. Um, I've always said to our team, you know, one of, the, one of the things that's really important for me is no matter what we're doing, we try to do what others aren't to some extent, right? Um, there's no point in replicating what other people are, are doing. We need to, and, and we don't have to be groundbreaking, innovative.com millionaire overnight kind of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But if we keep doing what everybody else is doing, then we're just going to be part of the pack. And for us to be successful and to support three breweries and soon to be four, um, we need to go that little extra. Um, and we need to continue to, you know, I hate to use the term think outside of the box, but we really kind of do and, and then try to do what others aren't doing. Think outside of the bottle. You can, you can say that. There you go. And that's why he's marketing and branding. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's great. Great news. We're prototyping. uh, We actually have tried, I think now, close to 30 different flavor profiles and flavor combinations for Steep Rock. We've settled on two for certain um, where we pretty much nailed the recipe on and we're going to, we're finalizing the third. So from a, a package perspective, uh, we'll launch with three and then see how they do in the marketplace and go from there. Yeah. And, and again, like Tras said, the, the, the sort of the side effect of, of uh, separating that, uh, the seltzer from, you know, originally the beer base, you get, um, you actually get in, in the other tank, you, you know, you get your seltzer base in one and the other tank, you get all the stuff you've, you've stripped out of that beer which you can just add, you know, a little bit of carbonated water to, and, and you, you've got yourself a non-alcoholic beverage beer. So um, still need to do some playing around and testing with that side of things, but we're pretty excited that we're able to now, have, you know, once seltzer launches to be able to launch a non-alc as well. So Excellent. Very progressive and um, very needed. I, you know, especially I think 
where you guys are and everything that you mentioned about just the culture of the area and the brewery, uh, having these uh, product extensions are great, especially for the outdoor stuff mm -hmm. and yep. good hike and have a, a nice non-alcoholic salsa from a good reputable brewery who can make something that tastes great. That's always going to be a home run and something that's sought after. Well, we're seeing that more and more in the industry that uh, folks are gravitating towards low and non-elk products, uh, but they still want that full flavored experience of either a beer or that type of product. I mean, even in distilling, you're seeing distilled non-alcoholic spirit bases. So I think for companies like ours to continue to grow and be successful, we have to be able to uh, pivot with the industry. So I think that's hyper important um, because we have pretty lofty goals, right? Like we're not just sitting on our hands, happy with kind of this wonderful success that we've already built. But, you know, the first eight years have been quite a lot of work and for the whole team and quite the ride. But the next eight years are going to be even more incredible. Mm hmm we don't get to ask the question too often because of, you know, the legalities, but obviously Canada with um, a national lift on cannabis prohibition, have you seen that affect your business or do you guys have any future plans, you know, to work in some of those new uh, product lines? Well, I think what's interesting with cannabis is that people are thirstier. <laughs> they get dry mouth. <laughs> There's a, uh... There's actually, we, I don't think, we, we haven't really noticed the effect, uh, to be honest, here locally. Um, you know, there, honestly, we just got our first cannabis store here in Kenora two months ago. And there's actually a second one opening up right across the street from us. They're actually renovating in there right now. So um, this could be a good thing. I mean, you know, stop down, grab, a, grab some beer, grab some uh grab some CBD or, or some uh, marijuana or whatever it may be and, um, you know, head on home and have a good night. So, yeah, I, I, I personally don't think it's uh, really going to affect the market too much. I don't know. What do, what do you think, T? Well, you know, reading lots of research and initial stats over the last, well, since it's been federally deregulated or legalized, um, Beer sales, it's, I don't think you can attribute any slip in beer sales uh, to the legalization of cannabis here in Canada. Um, I think they, t if anything, they're finding a way to coexist. Um, you know, beer sales have been what they've been in North America for quite some time and slight decline, um, unfortunately, in the mix of spirits. However, the craft beer segment continues to, to increase, albeit a little bit slower uh, in the US. There's still lots of provinces in Canada that are catching up. Um, you know, Ontario is probably close to about 10% again now. Uh, there was a, the sale of a large craft brewer a few years ago. Mill Street was sold to uh, Labatt, AB InBev. Uh, so that dropped actually a couple of points off of the penetration of craft brewers in Ontario. You know, if you look at BC, they're 16, 18% uh, of beer sales in the industry. I think craft beer, honestly, is still very, very strong. I find that um, many craft brewers, as they look at their product offerings and continue to innovate, um, are, are brewing across the spectrum. And a lot of those beers are very, very approachable, right? So it's 
I'm not going to say it's easy, but if you look at, I mean, Budweiser was the king of beers and still is really from a volume perspective, even though they've lost some market share. Why do people drink products like that? Because it's not a 10.1% Russian that you can, you know, drink one of and, and probably not even escape or walking away. Whereas you can drink a bunch of Bud Lights, right? You can drink a bunch of 3% and 4% beers. And that's what people, a lot of people are looking for that session and light session product. So many craft brewers have kind of figured that out and they're brewing those kinds of products. And I think more and more, you know, there's always the buy local support local, that kind of stuff, but it's beyond that. Now it's people actually get it and understand it. I think, especially going back to what's happened, um, over the last year with COVID, they're seeing these impacts and these economic impacts in their communities. So more and more folks are turning to the smaller producers to help support the economics of small communities. And there aren't very many small communities out there that don't have either a craft brewer or a craft distiller or both, right? Yeah, no, for sure. We've seen that. And yeah, you're totally right, Jurassic. I mean, probably, you know, five years ago, you would never have thought you know a craft brewer probably would, would never think to do a light beer it would just be like no that's but now it's it's 100 there's there's a turnaround in i think in the industry and people are looking towards that and and realizing and even the non-elks lots of that coming out so you know yeah. times are changing and 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 everyone's sort of um sort of changing with uh what people want right so and it's great the craft industry is able to do it and and you know we're we're all sort of together as I think one big industry, all of our the craft brewers, and you know we, I think everyone has good camaraderie, and and we're all part of a team. And it's not like we're trying to shut down the big breweries by any means. Like they, by any means, they they're, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. But you know to take a little piece of that and and give people some choices, I, I think is a great thing. So yeah, no, I totally agree, and excellent answer because. We don't have a lot of insight on on some of those topics and we are curious to see you know how that would shake out over time and i think you know especially with the demographics at least here in the states of craft beer drinkers to cross over to cannabis would only strengthen i think both markets and look forward to seeing um how that plays i see even some breweries here in the states that are in states that are legal like they're offering um, vapor, uh, what do you call them, vape carts yep. in the breweries now. So <laughs> the world's definitely blending in a, a whole new way that I never expected, at least in my lifetime. Yeah, it's, a, it, it's amazing how how quickly things can change, right? It's just suddenly, you know, they've legalized marijuana and all the, you know, and then now it's it seems okay. You know, your, your neighbor's going in and you know, grabbing, you know, no, it's the, the stigma is sort of gone. Right. So it's, and, and the government's making some money, you know, it's not going to the, uh, the underground economy. It's uh, going back into the, the coffer and, you know, helping build some roads or some, uh, you know, some infrastructure in, in the country. So I think it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, how did you guys get affected by COVID? Oh, well, uh, our business changed overnight, literally. You know, um, we actually closed our tap room about four or five days. We saw it coming four or five days before the government, we, you know, mandated uh, places like us in our tap room. Uh, to Was this close. March of last year That's as well? Right. Yep. yep. Just over a year ago now. Um, 
So our business is comprised of, obviously, we brew and we sell commercially to bars and restaurants. We package products and we sell in LCBOs and beer stores and grocery in Ontario. We sell in uh, MBLL, so government liquor marts in Manitoba and uh, private beer stores in Manitoba. We're also in a number of different provinces now over the last few months in, in where we can legally sell in those. And again, uh, Canada has a, a bit of a different structure that exists in the U.S. in the three-tier system that, that operates there. Um, most of the uh, liquor stores, I'll say, and or where you can buy liquor and beer in provinces are um, managed by government liquor or provincial government liquor boards and they're oh. and they're not privatized right so there's very little privatized liquor sale uh north of the 49 so um when we closed we lost a huge segment of our business because now there's no restaurants or bars buying our product and the margins in draft between package are very different as well. So we were we've been very lucky in the fact that our package sales have grown uh, in some markets by nearly a hundred percent. In many other regions, you know, twenty or thirty percent certainly. Even our own store here, but we haven't been able to run our ta- like our tap room here at the fire hall is licensed for two hundred seventy five people over two floors. Right. Um, one of the one of the ways that we customers were able to experience us was coming to the fire hall first. We have a full service restaurant here that we run ourselves. Everything is from scratch. Literally the month and a half before we were shut down COVID, we had installed uh, two pizza ovens, one wood burning and one flat deck. And we had probably spent about sixty, sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars in our kitchen. Uh, that was a you know in January, so uh, the slowest beer month of the year. And a month and a half later, we're completely closed. So yeah, it's been it's certainly been a challenge. We had to uh, take a step back and rethink our entire business and our entire business model. Um, there's been rolling shutdowns up here, to be honest with you, over the past year, there's been extremely little draft business. Um, uh, there's been months where our, our customers are mandated to be closed, uh, depending on the market that we're in. So we've had to really concentrate on and, and make the package side of the business work, um, and really skinny the business down. So unfortunately there's a number of things that we used to do like events, uh, and spend a lot of money on events trying to get liquid to lips and beer in people's hands to 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 try the product and get new customers. Well, that that also came to a standstill, right? And we had, in fairness, we had staff um, on our payroll that were solely focused on facilitating events. So um, it was heartbreaking to have to let some people go, right? Um, payroll just couldn't couldn't support it. And we had to really skinny down what we were doing. At the same time, uh, luckily, we were also able to pivot into manufacturing hand sanitizer. So that really kind of um, saved our bacon last year, uh, at least at least for the two and a half months where no one could get their hands on hand sanitizer. Lake of the Woods Brewing Company did. So oh, wow. we so needed. Oh, it was certainly needed. Absolutely. And there were some rather significant 
uh, size contracts that we were able to garner. And we were also, as a result of that, able to donate a lot uh, locally to health units, ambulance, that kind of stuff that that needed it throughout the region. So we were we were pretty um, humbled during that whole experience. That's um, wonderful. And uh, by mid to mid summer, I'll say we could open our tap room and seat people only outside. So if there were bad weather days, uh, you you basically couldn't open, right? Um, I can honestly tell you over the last year, and I'm sort of the guy that manages a lot of the company's finances and and cash flow and directing dollars. Um, it's been uh, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge on everyone, our whole team. Um, you know, Rob and marketing has had to rethink kind of what they were doing and how they were doing it, uh, because at the end of the day, we still have bills. We have a law. <laughs> A lot of money owing to banks and you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other you just got to figure out how yeah. to do it differently wow that's an amazing story and kudos to you guys you know for not only surviving it but prevailing and hopefully we're turning a corner now um i hope so too there's a lot more activity and bars and restaurants are starting to order again and i know uh here i think we're going back to 80 percent occupancy and later time. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to help the industry sort of crawl back. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, we're very lucky that we're a manufacturer. So that could pick up where our taproom business fell right off. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of bars and restaurants out there that that they had nothing else, but that's their core business. So I, we really feel for for those folks, right? And a lot of our customers most of our customers actually aren't chains. They're not. They're they're not the big multinationals. They're not even the big nationals. They're mom pa, one off shops, you know, and they're the ones who really uh, feel it. So, and unfortunately, I, I mean, I, the stat I think that the um, Canadian Food and Restaurant Association has put out is that ten thousand restaurants have closed permanently uh, as a result of COVID this side of the border. That's just, it's horrible. It's terrible news. Yeah. Well, we have a couple more minutes, guys. It was really incredible to meet you. For everyone listening, please check out Lake of the Woods Brewing Company. That's L-O-W-B-R-E-W-C-O.com. And also check out deep six, number six, dot beer. And check out everything that these guys are doing. Anything else you guys want to close us out on? Something wild going on? Events coming back? I'll leave it to Rob. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? There's well a lot of stuff going on always. You know, uh, I think one of the uh, there's a few cool things coming down down the pipe. Other than the the seltzer, you know, uh, just some new new beer being packaged in uh, multi pack, you know, six pack uh, options. We've got um, uh, New England IPA coming out this fall. I think an exciting one is our Pride Pack for this June for Pride Month. We've got a a multicolored uh, our Sultana Gold is going to be uh, packaged in multicolored cans um, and in a in a in, a, in a, some special packaging, which we're going to donate some proceeds to the uh, the two SLGBTQ plus communities in our in our region. So I think you know nice. stuff like that. Uh, you know, always trying to innovate and and uh, you know you know we're looking forward to getting through this. Uh, COVID as everyone else is and getting back to doing some events and 
and, you know, getting face to face with people and, uh, you know, just the way beers is meant to be, you know, uh, clinking pints and, uh, and, uh, you know, sharing some stories. So. hundred percent. Cheers, everybody. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Definitely hope to meet you guys in person very soon and have a beer. You guys are definitely on our kick list now. We are coming up. We are coming across that lake frozen. Nice. And we're going to try all three breweries. And when the fourth one's open, we're going to try that one too. You, Sweet. You bet. We have a t-shirt for you that, that says you visited all three breweries. So <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're ready for lake it. Lake the Woods passport. We'll even get Josh to sign up for you. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Right on. Well, nice meeting you guys, and uh, thanks for your time today and all the interesting insight, and uh, wish you guys the best of luck. You too. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Hope the uh, CBMAs are awesome. We appreciate all the support. You bet. Cheers.